Isn't it exciting when you receive that special birth announcement? Uh, maybe you didn't know that a child was going to be born and you receive in the mail. You get the thing, it's not a bill, so that kind of makes you already excited. And uh, then you're trying to figure out what that address is. You're not sure. Then you open it up and find out that a baby's coming. It's, it's kind of exciting, isn't it? Uh, we see it on Facebook sometimes. People will share the picture of the, of the child, and then they'll share that I'm going to be a big brother or big sister. And so you kind of get excited with that new birth announcement. And especially when you enter into that realm of grandparenthood, right? Uh, that kind of brings a whole new level of excitement when you are a grandparent and you receive that announcement that, that you are going to be a ground, grandparent. Uh, this morning we continue our journey through the wonder of it all. And we continue thinking about this Christmas season and thinking about the wonder of it all and, and pondering on the wonder of it all. This morning we want to look at the announcement. And this morning as we look at the announcement, we see two announcements given. We see Mary receiving the announcement and we see Joseph receiving the announcement. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Verse 26 this morning, and then we'll be there for just a moment, and then we'll go to Matthew chapter 1. So if you need to find both of those places, go ahead and go and do that. Uh, but that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning, is in those two passages. Now, before we dive into this this morning, let's just pause for a moment and pray and ask God's guidance on our time together. Father, we are grateful that we can gather together this morning, grateful that we can open your word in our own language and read this birth announcement. And I pray, Lord, as we read this announcement, that we might read it for the first time. Uh, Lord, let it be new to us. Let it be exciting to us. Let us uh, look at it and realize the wonder of it all as we, as we think about what, what has happened and, and the reason that we can celebrate this holiday season. I pray, Lord, that as we open your word, your word would be open to us that we would hear from you this morning, not the ramblings of some man, but I pray we would hear from you this morning. So take our minds and our hearts, Lord, and let us hear from you. And it's in your Son's name we pray these things. Amen. Now the first thing we see here this morning is Mary, and Mary receiving the announcement. Look at verse 26 here in Luke 1 with me, if you would. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, as we look at this passage, we see the angel Gabriel being sent to Nazareth. And it says here, in the sixth month, and if we were studying the book of Luke like we did a number of years ago, we would realize that it's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was the one who was pregnant first. And she would give birth to John the Baptist, and he was about six months older than Jesus. So in the sixth month is when this takes place, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And the angels are messengers for God. And in this instance here, Gabriel is the one who receives the assignment. He is the one who is to go to, the city, uh, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So that's where he's sent to his Nazareth. Now, as we think about Israel, it's kind of an elongated nation. And at the top of it is the nation, is the part known as Galilee. All right? The southern part is Judah. The northern part is Galilee. 
And that was kind of an area that had a, a large Gentile influence. Uh, there was a lot of uh, Gentiles that lived there, but a heavy Gentile influence. And Nazareth was the part of Israel that was kind of looked down upon. Jerusalem was where the temple was, and Nazareth was just those people up north. You know how that is? You ever think about the people up north? That's the people up north. That's the, the northerners. That's that's who they were. Uh, when when, when uh, Philip came and told Nathaniel that he had found the Messiah, this is recorded for us in John 1, verse 46. Nathaniel said, Can anything good come from Nazareth? He heard that Jesus was from Nazareth, and, and Nathaniel's response was, Can anything good come from the north? Can anything good come from up there? That was the mindset. But yet here is Gabriel, and he is sent by God to Galilee, to this village named Nazareth. That's where he goes. Now it says here in verse 27 that he was sent to Galilee to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So Gabriel is sent to visit Mary. It just so happens that she would, that she happened to be a virgin. Uh, we read that she was betrothed to a man named Joseph, and he was of the house of David. And as we think about this, the house of David and, and the birth of a virgin, this was what was all foretold that would take place. And when we were together last week and we were taking in the wonder of it all, we talked about the foretelling. It would be, she would be, there would be a son that would be born to a virgin in the line of David. And here we are, we see this virgin mentioned, and we see mentioned that it's of the line of David. It says in verse 28, And he came to her, and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary, when she receives this announcement, she is greatly troubled. She is troubled by what she hears. She's perplexed by this greeting. This was not something that Mary was expecting. We, we read and believe that Mary was probably just a teenager when all of this happened. So this certainly wasn't something that she was expecting. As we watch and as we go through the Gospels and follow Mary, we see oftentimes that Mary takes time to ponder what is happening. As she sees God moving in her life, as she sees God moving in the life of Jesus, she takes time to ponder what's going on. And that's exactly where we see her at right now, being sensitive to the working of God in her life, pondering and thinking about what's happening. There seems to be uh, two extremes that people take when we consider Mary. There is one extreme that looks at Mary and see her as being equal to the Trinity. They see her and, and they proclaim that she is equal to God the Father and God the Son. But you know, Scripture doesn't tell us that anywhere. Uh, it is even taught that Mary herself was miraculously conceived. But we do not see that in Scripture anywhere. 
And then there's another extreme where people fail to see that she is favored by God. But as we look at this passage here, we see that she was chosen by God to carry out this mission. And this mission was a mission of great privilege. Think about how God would choose someone to raise up their only begotten son. I don't think he flipped a coin and said, well, you know what, Mary, she will do. I don't think that was the case. God chose Mary. God had a plan for Mary. And God chose Mary. And it says that she was favored by God. The Old Testament on a number of times uses this phrase, one favored of God. It's used in reference to Noah in Genesis 6, verse 8. It's used in regards to Abraham in Genesis 18.3. It's used about Lot uh, when he avoided the wrath of God in Sodom. So this thought of being favored by God is something that is in different places. And Mary here finds favor with God. Now look at verse 31. It says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the promise that we saw last week. It was in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Mary is the one who's going to conceive and bear this son. His name will be Jesus. He will be the son of the Most High. The Most High is just another term for God. He is going to be the son of God. And we saw that in the promise to Isaiah Isaiah 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this announcement that we see given right here to Mary matches the foretelling that we saw last week in the Old Testament. All of the pieces are falling into place here as we see this announcement being given to Mary. Now notice verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary did not understand how it would work. And you know what? Frankly, today, we still don't know how it worked. But we know that it worked. Mary, as we look at this, as we think about, seems like it's impossible. But there in verse 37, it says, nothing is impossible with God. And here we see the miraculous conception take place. And the miraculous conception had to be this way. We talked last week about how the virgin birth must be a doctrine that we don't waver with. 
It must be a doctrine that we stand upon because it's something that had to happen. It had to be. Jesus was to be born unstained by sin. He was to be born without a sin nature. This is Hebrews 7, 26, and it says this, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. The virgin birth bypassed the transmission of the sin nature. This enabled the eternal God to become a perfect man. And this allowed the humanity of Christ to be produced in Mary's womb. It had to be this way. There was no other way. The deity of Christ was produced by the Holy Spirit. The child will be called the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. It's amazing as we look at Scripture how Joseph is not identified by Scripture as Jesus' father because he's not. God is his father. Verse 38, it says, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, there had to be a lot of uncertainty here for Mary. Lots of questions not answered. Uncertain about how Joseph would react. Uncertain about how people would react. Uncertain about her future. Uncertain how this was all going to unfold. But Mary recognized that she was a servant of God. I am the servant of the Lord. As a servant, you do what the master would have you to do. And she's willing to do just that. Mary steps out on faith, trusting God. Even though all of the details and all of the, the workings and all of that are not included here, she's willing to step out on faith. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, records for us a song of praise that comes from Mary. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. If she were holy, she would not need a Savior. But Mary right here recognizes God is her Savior. She realizes that. She also recognizes that in her humble estate, she is only a servant. Nothing special about her. Nothing that sets her above everybody else. She is a servant. God has called her to be a servant. And she's going to carry out this task. And she says, from this point forward, people are going to recognize that I'm blessed. That God called me for this special task. She recognizes that. She doesn't say, well, it's finally here. It's about time. I'm 
the one that needs to do this. No one else can. She doesn't say that. She recognizes that God has given her this special assignment. And so Mary receives this announcement. We also see Joseph receive this announcement. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is Matthew's account. Matthew's gospel was written to the Jews, so a lot of his focus is towards the Jewish. And as we, as we think about this, many of what he's writing to the Jews is, is going against some of the misteachings that had impacted them, some of the thoughts that they had where, where they were off about Jesus. He's seeking to correct those things. So verse 18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now we read in this passage here that Joseph and Mary were betrothed. Now when we think about that, we think about being engaged, and it's a similar thing. Their customs with our custom engagement was similar. But being betrothed carried a little more weight than just an engagement. When a couple was betrothed, the parents usually came together and they sat down and they hammered out a contract. And they determined how things were going to work in regards to this relationship. And this contract was entered into. And this contract would usually lasted a year. Sometimes it would be shorter, but most of the time it would be a year-long contract. And this contract would be a period of testing. They would test for one year just to see how things were with this couple, making sure that they would uh, be sold out for each other and be set on each other and not seeking to wander away. And so that was the mindset here. And it was while they were betrothed that Joseph learns that Mary is with child. And it's obviously not his child, so he's thinking that during this testing period, she must have been unfaithful. And so this is, the, this is what was happening uh, during this time. And it says this in verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph was a just man. Obviously, he wasn't a perfect man, but he sought to walk with God. He sought to be obedient. That was his desire. And he did not want to shame Mary. He wanted to make it as quietly as possible. And the way this would be done, he would have to come together. Parents and parents, whoever set up this arrangement, would come together and they would decide to divorce. They would decide to break the contract. Now, it could be done publicly, but it also could be done quietly. And this was Joseph's desire, was to break this contract quietly so that Mary didn't suffer the shame. He wanted to just keep it on the down low and not let everybody know. 
It says this in verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to, make, to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I can imagine Joseph went to bed that evening, and I can imagine him laying there, wondering what he was going to do, praying about it, wondering how this was all going to unfold, wondering how his life was going to be different, wondering how Mary's life was going to be different, seeking God's guidance in the thing. And then, as he draws, drops off to sleep, an angel comes to him and speaks to him. And the angel shares that this child is from the Holy Spirit, that it is a fact that the miraculous conception has happened, that this is nothing less than God's divine intervention interceding into human history to unfold his plan. We also see that Joseph was in the line of David, Mary in the line of David as well. Joseph not being Jesus' father but didn't affect Jesus in that way. But for the census, they would have to go to Bethlehem to register. And we saw last week that Bethlehem was a must. From the book of Micah 5 to Bethlehem was where this child would come from. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means Yahweh saves, or the Lord is salvation. And the purpose for this intervention is revealed. The reason all of this happened is revealed. Because Jesus did come into this world to save his people from their sins. John 14, 6, Jesus shared this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know what no one in the Greek means? No one. That's what it means. No one comes to the Father without Christ. Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This was the purpose. This was the reason that Jesus came into the world, and this was Jesus' mission statement, coming to save others. Luke 19.10 says this, the Son of Man came, to seek and to save the lost. That was the reason that Jesus came, to save his people from their sins. Now look at verse 22. It says all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is the prophecy that we looked at last week. I know some of you slept through it. But that's what we looked at last week. Isaiah 7, 14. The angel 
is sharing this with Joseph. Mary is the virgin. She has conceived, and she will bear the son. Just as God shared with Isaiah, just as Isaiah shared hundreds of years ago, it is being fulfilled right here with Mary. This child will be God in the flesh. And you know, as we think about this child being God in the flesh, it's going to be a child that is fully God. Not just partially God, but fully God. Colossians 2 verse 9 says this, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwelt. Jesus being 100% man while being 100% God. I know that doesn't add up mathematically. But he was not 50% man and 50% God. He didn't quit being God while he was here. He was 100% man while being 100% God. That is the wonder of it all. That is the miraculous thing that took place. Now notice verse 24. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. I bet you that this was the best night of sleep Joseph ever had in his life. Have you ever had those times where you go to sleep and you're worked up about all of the stuff that's going on in life? Me, I usually doze right off because I stop moving and then I go right to sleep. But you know what happens? I roll over. I wake up. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. And my mind is running. And from 2 o'clock to 2.05, when Darcy gets me out of bed, I'm tossing and turning. And I can't go back to sleep. Joseph goes to bed concerned about how all of this is going to happen, how all of this is going to unfold. And this angel speaks to him and says, you know what? This is God's plan. From the time of Isaiah, this was prophesied. All the stuff was falling into place until this moment. And it's happened. It's happened. Don't worry, Joseph. Everything's okay. And Joseph steps up in immediate obedience and took Mary to be his wife. Immediately, he does that. The marriage ceremony probably took place soon after. But notice what it says in verse 25. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Matthew makes sure the reader understands that Joseph knew her not. The marriage may have taken place, but it was not consummated. The child was not Joseph's. We read that Jesus had brothers and sisters, so there was a time period when that did happen. But until the birth of Jesus, it did not happen. Je Joseph was obedient, and he named the baby 
Jesus. Because Jesus would save his people from their sins. You know, we don't know too much about Joseph. We don't have a lot of details about him other than being from the line of David. We read that he's a carpenter. But we don't have a lot of information about Joseph. We read that he was a just man. And I don't know about you, but I can't imagine God just giving his son to any father. I imagine Joseph was a, was a man of God. I imagine Joseph was the right choice. And I imagine as you think about Joseph, can you imagine raising the perfect child? Because as parents, and not us as parents, but we know other parents, right? They don't have it all figured out. Some parents, not us, learn on the fly. Learn from their mistakes. Again, us, no, <laughs> we learn from our mistakes, right? Another group. <laughs> but can you imagine trying to raise your child and say, son, we must do this, and your son says, nah, it's not right. can't imagine that. Joseph, raising Jesus. He goes to bed wondering about his wife Mary, and he wakes up realizing that he gets Mary plus the Son of God. Plus the Son of God. It's a double bonus. It's a double bonus. So there you have it. Mary received the announcement. Joseph received the announcement. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our lives? I don't know about you, but I think we got to be thinking about the wonder of it all. Have you just thought and pondered about what Christmas is really all about? I mean, not the Christmas gifts, not all of the get-together as a family, not eating too much turkey and stuffing yourself with almost too much stuffing. Have you ever just sat and thought about what Almighty God, who is perfect and without sin, accomplished through His Son, Jesus Christ? The wonder of it all. There's no explanation. There's no explanation. All we can do is just stand back and just take it in. Considering the wonder of it all. You know, as we look at this, the virgin birth is an essential doctrine. That's not something that we can set aside. That's not something that we can ignore. It is something we have to recognize and believe. Jesus came into that manger as a baby so he could die as a savior. Without the manger, without Bethlehem, we don't have the cross. But without the cross, Bethlehem means nothing. Jesus came as a baby to die as a perfect Savior. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And I think as we gather around and as we think about Christmas, I think that is something we need to remind ourselves of, is that nothing 
is impossible with God. As we think about Joseph and Mary, we see two people who were completely obedient. Completely obedient, even though there were so many uncertainties. How about us? Are we willing to be obedient? Are we willing to be obedient and be used by God? Sometimes that might take us out of our comfort zone. But are we willing to be obedient and be used of God? And then as we think about that, are we willing to be obedient even if the world is not? Are we willing to be obedient even if no one else is? You see, we kind of live in a time when it's just easy for us to go with the flow, just go with the stream. But you know, as we look at Christmas and as we think about the birth of Jesus, we're reminded of those two people who were obedient to God even though it took them out of their comfort zone. They were obedient to God even in this time when, when not a lot of people were following God. But these two young people, they were willing. How about us? Well, I'm not that young anymore. But you know, compared to a thousand years, I'm still pretty young. So as young people, are we willing to be obedient? Are we willing to be obedient? Even when no one else is. Father, we thank you.